When you said that, I thought you were going to say drinking a beer that is too large <laughs> with too high of an ABV too quickly. Also the story of our lives. Hey guys, you're listening to Drunken Uncultured. We are a drinking problem masquerading as a pop culture podcast. I'm Lindsay. I'm Stephanie. And as you can tell, we are sober right now. So Very, very sober. You just woke up too. I did just wake up. Um, from a nap. This week we are still working with some pre-recorded content for you guys uh, just due to travel yeah. and vacation and things. Should be the end of it, hopefully. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. You're, oh, yeah, you're traveling again, too, yeah. soon. Um, yeah, hopefully we'll this, this will be over soon. We'll figure this out. Um, we're One very day. busy, and it's been a struggle to figure out times that we can get together yes. and do this. But it, also, we're always together, but it's mostly getting together to do this. Yes. Anyways. You guys don't want to know how difficult it was for us to get together just to record this intro. Yeah, no, it's bad. <laughs> <laughs> I've been home for, like, 24 hours at this point. Yeah. Okay, so... Since it is the first episode of the month, uh, we are going to go to my music corner. So, like usual, we're going to go through my five favorite albums that came out in the last month. So, February, not Not March, March. but February. Yeah. Okay, so the first one I'm going to talk about is Beirut came out with a new album on February 1st. The album's called Gallipoli. So... Beirut is a indie rock band, kind of influenced by world music a little bit. They have like almost a Mediterranean type sound to their music. Um, almost a Beiruti sound. <laughs> sure, yes. <laughs> if we would like to go there, then yes. So my next one, uh, while not a new album, I gave it a perfect ten. Uh, it is LCD Sound Systems Electric Lady Sessions. What do you mean it's not a new album? So it's just all of their like old music, and they performed it in a live Got space. It. Got it. And uh, it was amazing. Gave and I just a, love an LCD sound system. Gave it a 10 out of 10 Stephanie's. Yes. Um, my next one also received a 10 out of 10 Stephanie's. <laughs> That's what we're calling it from now on. I know. I thought it was funny. <laughs> okay. So my next one is Panda Bear and his album, Buoys. So that came out on February 8th. So, Panda Bear is better known as the frontman of Animal Collective, mm-hmm. the electronic band. Um, and you actually listen to this one, and you like this one yeah, a lot, too. Panda Bear is like an experimental electronic yeah. artist, um, or like that's what I would say his music is. Yeah. Um, Bowie's is really good. How many Bowie's. Stephanie's did you give it? I gave it ten. Ten out of ten Stephanie's? Ten out of ten Ooh, Stephanie's. Man. Two albums came out in the same week and got ten out of ten Stephanie's. It's a big deal. <laughs> Okay, so number four is going to be Talos released a new album. Uh, So they are more like a pop electronic band, but it's very like, if you were to take like bedroom pop and make it electronic, I think that's kind of more the feel that it is. It's all very slow, like feely type songs. Okay. Um, And the guy's got like the most incredible voice. Um, So their album is called Far Out Dust. Uh, we actually saw them open for Peter, Bjorn, and John. And oh, cool. that's the band that uh, our good friend Trevor is now obsessed with. Got it. Former Trevor. Former Trevor. 
Okay, and the last How one, many Stephanie's? I gave it n- nine Stephanie's. Nine Stephanie's. Nine okay. Stephanie's. So the albums that I talk about all are nine or ten Stephanie's. Okay, got it. <laughs> no, none of that middle of the range shit. All nine no and middle tens. of the range Stephanie's, just top Stephanie's. Yeah, just top Stephanie's. Okay, and then my last one is by this artist called Telekinesis. So he's like an indie artist, singer guy. Um, his album was called... Ooh, I don't know how to say that. <laughs> a word. <laughs> it's a word. Effluxion? How do you say that? Effluxion? Yeah. Effluxion? Okay, that's what we're going to call it. Telekinesis, if you're listening. Which you're not. You're definitely not. Uh, I would love to know how to say your album name. You um, could just listen to it. Like, listen to someone say it online, but that's I feel like work. That's a lot of work for right now. Yeah. Um, so this album came out on... I just lost it. The 22nd. Cool. February 22nd. Um, he's actually coming to play Shuba's in a couple weeks. Cool. I think I'm going to go. He nine. was a new discovery for me. Yeah, he was a... That one, nine? That nine Stephanie's. Nine Stephanie's. Cool. Yeah. So uh, that is it for Stephanie's Music Corner for the yeah. week. For the month of February. Yeah. Releases. Well, for February, February releases, releases, but for March episodes. Yeah. Yes. Um, I'm just going to... Jump in and say, Foles' new album came out and you guys should all listen to it. It's oh, it's really good. good. That's going to be on Stephanie's Music Corner for the month of April. But well, just like a spoiler. And it's so good. Review, it's so good. Just go listen to it now because it's good. All right. So uh, here is the episode. All right, Steph. What are we drinking today? All right. So today we are drinking Death by Coconut from Oscar Blues. So this is a... Irish style porter, which is actually something new that we're doing. This is like maybe the first episode that we haven't actually drank an IPA, or it's definitely the first episode that we were drinking something heavier. Uh, we've never done a porter or a stout on the podcast. We've maybe done we've done IPAs. I think maybe done like I think we ales. did a Belgian one time, but this um, is the first time doing something like on the darker yeah spectrum think so anyways in my we've definitely never done limited a, memory of well, what we drink we've definitely never done a porter or stout because i just recently started getting into these that's true that's true um so this is an irish style porter made with coconut, coconut and chocolate yep it the um, can says coconut chocolate choco nut this says pure liquid cacao nice Apparently, their cans are also infinitely recyclable. I don't think that's a that's real not, thing. Uh, yeah, it's not a thing. It's a 6.5%, so again, one of the lower ends of what we've been drinking lately. So we've actually both had this beer before, um, which I think is an important thing to say. All right, let's crack these open. And by we, I mean I, because you already opened yours. Yeah. Cheers, you can't hear Cheers. because we have koozies. <laughs> That's going to be a new trademark statement for the show. Did I just miss my face? So disclaimer, guys. Um, I drank half of a growler of stout plus a, what are they called? A bomber? A bomber of stout yesterday. And then I had two stouts this morning and a 9.5% beer, so... 
Already drunk. You just keep sobering <laughs> up and then going back to being drunk. Like well, I'm immediately. Well, you said the shampoo effect. Like I sober up for a little. Wash, bit. rinse, repeat. Yeah, I like sober up for a little bit, but then drink a beer, and immediately I'm drunk because I wasn't actually sober to begin with. Yeah, that's fair. It's been a weekend. It's a holiday weekend. It's been a thing. All right, we just went on the giggling fit for the last like five minutes. All right, so words three. Yes. Go. Three. You want me to go first? Yes, please. Okay. <laughs> I always go first. That's true. That's true. Okay. This beer is, um, like, first taste, this beer is super sweet. It is very sweet, yeah. It's, so, I was saying to you that it's hard to come up with words that are not coconut, coconut or chocolate. chocolate. Because that is exactly what it tastes yeah. like. And for me, I, I feel like so every good. porter I've ever had kind of tastes like liquor-y. Liquor-y. Liquory? Tastes like liquor. Oh, okay. I was like, Is where that the are you? I thought you were going to say licorice. And no. I was like, that's not what this tastes like at all. Most porters for me usually taste kind of like liquor. That's fair. Um, you know I, what it is? It's because of the age. It's malt. Oh, is it? Um, this beer is this very beer, malty. Yeah, but it doesn't have that liquor taste. Like, it tastes malty, but like I think that's the sweetness coming through. Yeah. Or it comes through a sweetness in this instead of, like, a liquor. This almost, to me, also tastes... There's kind of, like, a caramel aftertaste. So, I think when you get this on draft, because... Draft is very different. We've both had this on draft before. Draft Um, is very different. The draft almost tastes more coconutty. The coconut's more forward in the draft, and in this, it's, like, a little bit lacking. And, like, it's more in, like, the finishing notes. I don't don't taste as much... I taste more caramel than coconut in this. And it may just be because I burned all my taste buds off. <laughs> that's super weird. That one tastes super coconutty. This one doesn't. Holy shit, that's weird. What? Because you were saying that. I was like, I only taste coconut. So we just switched cans. Stephanie's definitely tastes more caramelly. And but mine tastes straight up tastes like coconut. coconut. Yeah. That is weird. That's a really interesting that thing that every... Note beer kind of has different notes that make make well, it up. that means that these probably came from different batches. Yeah, that's true. So, they're in the same form pack, though. I feel like every episode we're like, what words describe our beer? Bitter. Yeah, so this, this is, is not bitter. You would say caramel, malty. I'm gonna say coconut, because I'm getting like a punch in the face so of coconut. I, yeah, I get a punch in the face of caramel and malt and chocolate. I, I get a punch in the face of coconut, malt, and chocolate. Yeah, I mean, I, I really like this beer. No, I do this too. Like, I'm beer. half done with this beer already. You said this on when we recorded our last episode. We were trying to describe words, and like, we just oh, kept, I mean, I just we drank half the Trying beer. to say words. I just keep drinking this one. This is good. I, uh, this is actually, so we had this at Emporium. Yep. At the United Beers of Emporium event yep. in Colorado. Yes. And I think this was like one of the first porters I've actually enjoyed. Yeah. I think if not the first porter I've enjoyed. And that set us on a whole thing of getting big drunk hugs. on big hugs. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, this is honestly, if you're not very into porters and you like coconut, I would say try this out. Yeah, absolutely. It would probably open up like a world of different beers. Yeah. That you would like. Um, I actually I got this one and then I started to drink stouts. Yeah. I started to enjoy stouts. Yes, yeah, that's true. That night was your first time delving into the stout world. Yeah. All right, so um, before we get started, I just want to say happy Women's Month. Happy March. Um, so obviously, Women's Month, we are going to be repeating what we did last year, and we're going to do two episodes 
centered on women. Yes. If you are interested in hearing our past versions of this, um, it's episodes six and seven in season one. Um, the first one is Badass Women in Pop Culture. Yep. And the second one is Badass Women in History. Uh, and Badass Women in History, I have no voice. So if you want to hear me have no voice whatsoever in an episode, that one. Yep. Um, so today we are starting off, or we're kicking off Women's Month. Yep. With, um, interesting women killers. Not necessarily, um, serial killers, but... Women murderers. And, well, attempted murderers. Yes. Violent women. Crazy shit that women have done. Yeah. (laughs) Um, okay. Um, I do want to preface, like, obviously we're not a true crime podcast. No, we are not. We're not trying to be. We are Um, interested in, like, murderers, and we're interested in, like, this aspect of things, but we are not trying to be... I mean, we're into all things spooky, Yep. but we're obviously, we're not to the level of research that you're going to get out of, like, a true crime podcast or any of that. We're covering a a few. Yeah. We're not going very in-depth. It's kind of just, like, a broad overview of these women. Um, And it's more just to discuss interesting things that women have done. If that makes sense. Interesting murders that women have committed. Or attempted attempted. murders. Yeah. Um, Because we want to focus on... We've done murderers. Yes. In the past. Yes. Um, And I think our favorite was... Our favorite was that woman. Like, it was very interesting. Yeah. So we want to do this again with just women. So part of this, too, is... Obviously, like you said, we've done serial killers in the past. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them were male... And I think it's really interesting that we at least need to start discussing um, what motivates women to kill. Uh Because it's very well known that the motives for attempted murders or... Murders. Or successful murders. (laughs) Or legit murders. (laughs) um, Committed by women versus men have a very different... Uh Like, the women have a different mindset going in and usually there's a different end game. I mean, obviously death is the end game, but... Yeah, but there's a different, like... Motive behind it. Yes, motive is a good word. So, um, serial killer-wise, females combine about 15% of all serial killers they based on historically. 15%. Yeah. Got it. Um, and obviously, like, male serial killers... The number's so low. I know. Feminism, man. Get your more murders up. <laughs> um... Male killers are known for like lust killings, uh-huh. and they're less likely to know their victims. So um, it's more like a like what's the term? Um, crime of passion. Yeah, sometimes, uh, sometimes, well, sometimes crime of passion, um, like revenge against women, or like uh, not revenge against women, but like psychological. Torment yes. due to like unfulfilled sexual desires or yep, it's actually more common in men than women to see like rape and serial killing tied mm-hmm. together. So like with men, like you hear a lot, like a lot of the even what we discussed, rape and, rape and murder went together. Yeah. For women, that's less likely. So female serial killers are more likely to kill for comfort, profit, or revenge. Right, and by comfort you mean. Um, 
Like for like life insurance for money yeah, or so for like getting bad, out of a bad situation. Yeah. So um female serial killers and this is an, obviously not everyone. Um they're more likely to kill men that are emotionally and physically close to them. So like husbands, lovers, and they kill to improve their lifestyle. Got That's it. a comfort killer. Yes. It's like improve their lifestyle. Got it. Um, although obviously victims are not confined to husbands, there's also been women that have killed children and the elderly. Yep. Yeah, I mean... Which we've discussed in the past. We have, and I have a few that are, like, I have one, at least one, that's not going to be a comfort killing. Yeah, and, uh, it's... The comfort killer comes from the idea of, like, the Black Widow, Mm -hmm. which, um, is actually, that title comes from a female serial killer who killed three... Three of her husbands that she's been known to have killed. Uh, okay. And then she's killed other people instead. Uh, on top of that. And she was trying to gain, you know, like financial and material gain through that. Got it. Um, Hold on. He's going to his bed. Or not. He's just laying right there. Um, the other type of female serial killer is the revenge killer. Mm -hmm. So that's commonly what we see with, like, women that were in a domestic... Dispute or, like, domestic abusive relationship. Yeah. Got it. That kind of killing. And then, um, we also will see women that will... And this will come up in our discussions today, um... They're the t- women that will, like, take out life insurance policies. Yep. We talked about one in our... Yeah, where she would take life out. Episode. She would take out life insurance on the elderly and then kill the elderly and take the money. Yeah, so that was in um, season two, episode nine. Uh, the gang is just chillin' killin'. Which oh, is that's a great name. Such a good name. <laughs> that was back when we were in our peak naming game. That was back when we were doing the gang style. Now we're doing... Or we were doing It's Always Sunny style episodes. And now we're doing um, community style. Yeah. Also, um, just as a side note, we're like halfway through season three at this point, or over halfway through season three. Oh god, um, we're over halfway through season three. If you have a naming convention that you'd like us to do from a TV show, let Please me send let it us to know. us. We're, run, we're, we're out of ideas. We are out of we ideas. We are not out yet, but we are running out after season four. All right, so I'm going to start off with Eileen Warnos. Um, so I guess to start this one that I'm starting off with. To start the one that we are starting <laughs> with today. Alright, so um you will have heard of Eileen from the movie Monster. She was famously the basis for that, um, and she was played by Charlize Theron. Um didn't she get a, an Oscar nom for that movie? I honestly have no idea, but I, I think would she not did. Be surprised. I think she won, but I think she got a nom for it. Um, Eileen was the tenth woman to receive the death penalty in the United States since capital punishment was reinstated. Yeah, so capital punishment was like reinstated in like 1976 or something. Something like along that. those lines. Okay. Um, somewhere in the I think some I think in the, in the 70s. 70s. Um, so not super recent, and she was put to death in like 2002. So like, huh? Twenty something years after capital punishment. Wow. Was reinstated. Um, she was a 10th woman. 
She was a former, so just a quick overview, former prostitute, killed seven men that she picked up while working the highways of Florida in 1989-1990. So, brief life history. She began trading sexual favors in her elementary school for cigarettes and other things um, at the age of 11. Her father was a convicted sex offender and wasn't in her life when she was born. Uh, He hung himself in prison when she was 13. Her mother abandoned her before that and left her in her grandparents' care. Uh, Less than a year after her father's suicide, her grandmother died of liver liver failure. In in accounts, she has stated that her grandfather was beating and raping her for several several years at that point of her grandmother having died. At 15... She dropped out of school to have her grandfather's friend's baby. Oh, no. Um, she like got into a domestic dispute with her grandfather, left, and or sorry, not left, but was left to live in the woods outside of Troy, Michigan. Ooh, that's not far from where I grew up. <laughs> Ooh. And then she also gave up that son for adoption. At the age of 20, in an effort to escape the life she was living, she hitchhiked to Florida and married a 69-year-old... Hey. Hey. <laughs> uh... 69-year-old man named Louis Fell. She frequently left the home that she shared with him to go to a local bar where she would get into, like, a lot of fights and, like, kind of wild shit. It's the kind of stuff you see on Florida Man. Yeah, I mean, she was Florida Woman. She was the OG Florida Florida Woman. Um, She also abused uh, Louis and claimed... Wait, so... Lewis was the name of her 69-year-old husband? Yeah, so Lewis Fell was the name of her 69-year-old husband. Right, right, got it. She abused him and claimed to beat him with his own cane. Eventually, he got a restraining order against her, and she was forced to move back to Michigan to file for an annulment, and they were married for nine weeks. Holy shit. So her brother suddenly died of esophageal cancer not long after she returned to Michigan, um, the big thing about that one was that they had an incestuous relationship. Oh, no. This just keeps getting <laughs> is worse. Is that surprising? She is Florida woman. Uh, this just keeps getting worse and worse, yeah. and it's making me question my entire upbringing in Michigan. Also from Florida. Like, she lived in Florida, so. She lived same. in Florida for a while, but yeah, she but was we'll from get to Michigan. It. She collected on his life insurance and used the money to cover a DUI and buy a luxury car. Oh, that she no. Was it a Lexus? I didn't say. Oh. But then she Did crashed she... it while driving under the influence again. Oh, no. So um, when she ran out of money, she returned to Florida and started doing petty thefts and armed robberies. And she worked as a prostitute and was arrested in 1986 when one of her customers told cops that she pulled a gun and asked for money. Or demanded cu- money. You said customers and looked at me weird. <laughs> I don't know why. But I think, I think it was because she used the term customer. Oh, got it. Okay. Or the internet used the term customer. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> in 1987, she moved in with a hotel maid named Tyria Moore, who would later become her lover and partner in crime. Uh, she constantly told conflicting stories about her murders, she had claimed to have been the victim of rape, and other times she admitted to attempting to rob the men that she killed. Okay. Um, so her first victim was Richard Mallory, and he was a convicted rapist. Um, so her saying that she, like he was attempting to rape her worked it, not worked out, but I guess it seemed fit. plausible. Yeah, it seemed plausible. Um, he was 51 years old and had finished his prison term. 
They met in uh, November of 1989. So she met him after his after prison he had term. Prison, yeah. Got it. Okay. His For being prison. a rapist, do we know yes. that? Okay. Um, they met in November 1989, and he was running an electronics store in Clearwater. Oh boy, she... I've been to Clearwater. <laughs> it's trash. Uh, she shot him several times and then dumped him in the woods before ditching his car. Um, that escalated quickly. It did. In May 1990, she killed David Spears, who was 41. Uh, she shot him six times and stripped him naked. Cops, five days after finding David Spears' corpse, found the remains of Charles Karskiven. That's um, a name. Yeah. He was shot nine times and also tossed inside. Oh my room. god. And then June 30 of What's 19- the body count at this point? Um, I'll tell you in the end. Oh, okay. June 30, 1990, Peter Sims, uh, Sims, I, I'm not quite sure how to say that, disappeared on a drive from Florida to Arkansas, and then witness claimed to have seen, um, Moore and Eileen, so, Tyria, her partner, and her right. driving his car. Um, they recovered Eileen's fingerprints from the car, and then, uh, several of Sims, I'm gonna call them Sims, Personal items showed up in pawn shops. Um, Tyria and Eileen killed three more men before Eileen was arrested on a warrant after yet another bar fight in Volusia oh, County, uh, Florida. And then by that time, Tyria had moved back to Pennsylvania and kind of like cut ties. Got it. Um, but she was picked up by cops. Um, Tyria turned on Eileen and helped the police attempt to get a confession that could be used against her. So she basically um, was holed up in a hotel room that the cops had paid for for her and kept calling her and like saying like we need to corroborate our stories like you need to tell me the story again so that we can make sure they're the exact same right and was basically able to get a confession from her using that got it um she so Eileen confessed to several killings but insisted on the ones that Tyria Tyria didn't know about having been attempted rapes um Eileen spent, I believe, a year in prison before her court or her case went to trial. Okay, and there was a point where she was starting to like become unhinged. So she thought that her food in prison was being spat in or contaminated with bodily fluids. She frequently went on hunger strikes and refused to eat meals prepared while certain people were in the kitchen. She thought people were plotting against her and petitioned the court to fire her lawyer and let her represent herself. Oh, that's a bad idea. Which is a bad idea, especially in a murder case because there's a ton yeah. of paperwork that she has no idea how to do. Um, she So in the end, she received five death sentences. She was diagnosed as a psychopath, psychopath with borderline personality disorder. And then she was having such a terrible time in jail that in 2001, she directly petitioned the court to ask for her sentence to be hurried along. So she was saying that um, she was living in abusive and inhumane living conditions. She claimed that her body was being attacked by a sonic weapon of some kind. What? That's crazy. Her court-appointed lawyer tried to argue that she was irrational, but wouldn't go against, or wouldn't go with the defense. Um, She said that she's so sick of hearing she's crazy stuff. She's been evaluated so many times, and she says that she's competent, sane, and trying to tell the truth. Uh, she said that she she says she seriously hates human life and would kill again. So on June sixth, two thousand twelve, she was put to death. And during her last interview, just further proof that she was unhinged at this point, said, "I'd like, I'd just like to say I'm sailing with the rock, and I'll be back like Independence Day with Jesus, June sixth, 
like the movie Big Mothership and All, I'll Be Back. Wow. She was getting real unhinged at the end. Yeah, she was. She was completely insane. Um, also, she understands the deep love of The Rock. So she, they were, they had her psychologically evaluated, not for like the insanity plea, okay, but just to further prove that she was crazy. At and this she was point. losing her mind at yeah. this point, yeah. Um, but yeah, she was like losing it in the end. That's intense, man. So Tilly Klimek, we're gonna say her name like that because she's Polish and I can't say names. So. Tilly was a Polish-American serial killer based in Chicago, um, and her crimes took place from 1914 to 1921. Um, like I said, these crimes literally all took place in this neighborhood. Yeah, so West Town, Chicago. Yeah. And, I mean, we're recording in Wicker Park. But it, You live in Ukrainian Village. This but, is all uh, Chicago. her first bit took place in Ukrainian Village and the second place took in what is now known as Noble Square. Okay. This area was all, I think, called Little Poland back okay. in that time, but there's been a huge like, Polish settlement so in this area. So, this gets close to home. Literally. Yeah. Literally. It's close to home. Like, I, I had to, like, look up these addresses to see where they are. Yeah. I've definitely walked past some of these buildings. Yeah, or at least where they are. We now. were doing research and Stephanie goes, Oh, this is where I live. Yeah. Oh, I walked by this place this morning. Yeah. Okay, so her first husband's name was John. I Last can... name, unpronounceable. By I us. can't. Polish names are hard. Last name, we will butcher, so we're, not... we're going to call him John. We're going to call him John. Uh, so John... she married John in 1895, um, and he died due to air quotes heart trouble in 1914. She quickly was remarried to Joseph, another last name I cannot say, who lived nearby. <laughs> I don't know why that's funny. I is. can't say these people's no, names. No, no, it's who lived nearby is the funny part to me. Oh, so this is the killing that took place in Ukrainian Village. Got it. Like, that's where she was living at the time. Got it. So, um, point of reference, this took place around, like... It was Winchester and Augusta. Okay. So. I don't know street names, so fine. Sure. Okay. <laughs> I don't know why you would say street names to me. I don't you know, know. I have no idea. It, this took place down at Winchester and Augusta. I know that you. I know where you live, so I can figure out where Augusta yeah, and that's Winchester fair. is. That's fair. Um, okay. Uh, so Joseph died shortly after as well, as did, a, did another one of her boyfriends who had abandoned her. So she just wanted to be three, loved, man. Three at this three point. so far. Yeah. Um, Frank, another name we can't say. Yeah, was the third husband. He had taken ill in their apartment where they had. She had previously lived with another boyfriend. <laughs> so okay, so her third husband t- had taken ill in her apartment. Third husband she, at this point. Yes, or I'm sorry. Yes, third husband. Um, she began to tell her neighbors that he wouldn't live long, and she claimed to have precognitive dreams predicting their deaths. deaths. Okay. Um, she would make fun of Frank and greet him in the morning saying, oh, won't be long now, and you'll be dying soon. Oof. And would jokingly tell her neighbors that he only had two inches to live. Um, she knitted her own morning hat. As she would sit at his bedside, which she actually, interesting story, wore to her trial. 
Okay. Um, she asked her landlady's permission to store a bargain coffin that she found for sale in the basement, which is what is commonly known for like other people to have believed that she was predicting people's deaths. That she asked if she could store this coffin right. that she found because she knew her husband was dying. Um, so in 1921, Frank died. And uh, Tilly married a man named Joseph Kilmick, which is where her last name comes from. Um, and she lived with him in what is now Noble Square. So it was like Ashland in Milwaukee. Um, when Joseph K, second Joseph... Became ill. Um, Doctors suspected that he had arsenic poisoning. Okay. So they tested it. It was confirmed and she was arrested. Um, It was later said that she told the arresting officer, the next one I want to cook a dinner for is you. So she was a kidding on the officer that came to arrest her. Okay. So... Bodies of her other husbands were soon exhumed and found to contain lethal doses of arsenic, though the soil around them was clean, meaning that they clearly had arsenic in their systems, yeah, not, not in the ground the around them. Yep. Um, police also arrested her cousin. So Tilly told the police that she had told her cousin, Nellie, that she was tired of her husband, Frank. Nellie recommended a divorce... But Tilly said, I will get rid of him some other way, and claimed she had to her cousin that she had given um, a good, a goodly portion, that's what it says, I'm not making that mm-hmm. up, a goodly portion of a poison called rough on rats. It came to light that several relatives and neighbors of Tilly and Nellie had died. Specifically, two neighbors of theirs um, that they had fought with became gravely ill after being given candy by Tilly. Wow. Yeah. So in all, there are 20 suspected victims. 14 have died or have died. That is a lot. Yeah. Um, and it was found that she had taken out life insurance policies and all of her husband's and she profited greatly from those. Here's what's really interesting. Um, So in March 1923, she was found guilty of her third known husband, which was Frank, whose name I cannot say his last name. Frank. Um, Reporters noted that unlike most of the well-known husband killers that had been acquitted in Chicago courts, Tilly was, in quotes, not beautiful or charming, but a squat woman who only spoke broken English, despite having lived in the country since infancy. So they're, they're saying that the reason that she was sentenced to anything was because she wasn't as pretty as the other right. women that had done similar things. Right. So Nellie, uh, Tilly's cousin was acquitted after spending a year in prison. But Tilly was teased in prison, and she was convinced she was going to be taken out and hanged in front of everyone. Eventually, she died in prison in uh, November of 1936. Wow. So my next one is Delphine Lollery. 
who's actually super famous. Yeah, so you'll know that name from um, American Horror Story. And Coven. Yes, it was Coven. She's also well known as like a huge mainstream serial killer. Yep. And you can actually go visit her house, which I have done in New Orleans. It's in the French Quarter. Got it. So she was a member of the large, wealthy, and politically powerful McCarty clan. Um, that family included military officers, planters, merchants, and um, they arrived pretty early into the French colonization period. Um, so many of her relatives owned and managed extensive real estate and slaves. So she had three husbands. Um, essentially, I'm just going to quick, quickly go over this. Um, her first husband uh, died while she was they were traveling to Spain. She um, was... He was in uh, Havana en route to Madrid, and she wasn't with him. Her second marriage um, to a guy who was a banker, merchant, lawyer, legislator. It's a lot uh, of titles. It's a lot of titles. Um, is the marriage that she had, like, four children from. The first one, she had one child. Okay. Uh, he died in 1816. Um, and then she met... Um, Leonard Lullery, um, who was from France, he was a physician, but today we'd call him a chiropractor. Um, so, so not really a so physician. not really a doctor, <laughs> not a real doctor, not a real doctor, uh, <laughs> not a doctor. <laughs> oh, you knew that was coming. <laughs> Forgot about that. Um, go on. So their meeting wasn't like. Purely coincidental. Uh, one of her daughters from her second marriage had some deformities in her spine. So, um, Louis... His first name's Leonard and he goes by Louis. Okay. Uh, Louis was hired to cure the young girl um, using medical equipment that looked torturous. That sounds she... like a chiropractor, yeah. <laughs> she wasn't cured, um, but Delphine was like, super into him, Louis, despite she the fact that she was it. like 20 years older. Um, hey, in the end, he impregnated Delphine, and oh, he had to marry her, because it was the 1800s. Yeah. Um, so, she purchased property where she would live with, uh, Louis and two of her kids. Uh, they didn't have a happy marriage, and neighbors would later claim that they overheard them arguing a ton. Okay. Um, so, not surprising when he packed his bag and moved, um... So, supposedly, losing him was what drove her mad, and rumors started to spread that she was harming her slaves. And then, um, there was an incident in 1833 when one of her young slaves, named Leah, fell to her death in the courtyard. Um, so the big thing that she's really known for was there was a huge fire in her estate Mm -hmm. in 1834, and it destroyed part of the house, but... Because of that fire, brought to light that there were several sl- slaves that were being tortured, starved, and chained in the upper part of her building. Um, so these slaves were taken to taken to receive uh, medical treatment, food and drink, and then uh, nearly two thousand townspeople came to view the victims. Uh, I actually think one of her slaves was chained to the stove as well. Oh wow! Did not know that. Um, however. They tried to, um, they had the expectation that she would be arrested by the sheriff. Mm-hmm. Sheriff never showed up, so 
the crowd turned into a mob. Great. And they seeked vengeance on her. She uh, managed to escape the fray, and they attacked the residents, so they stripped the house of all of its valuables, and essentially started to, like, just destroy the house. Got it. Um, so, Delphine was later reviled as, like, a monster, um, quote-unquote, demon in the shape of a woman, uh, quote-unquote, fury itself escaped from hell. Jesus. Um, so... Bringing up your stove part. Yeah. Uh, oh, this is where the fire comes from. That's yeah, right. Yeah, so Ooh, the I was... fire was ignited in the kitchen, allegedly started on purpose by a slave that was chained to the stove yep. as punishment. Um, so it was started, it was seemed as a, a way to call attention to the yep. conditions that she and her slaves were forced to endure. Um, so there are tons of stories about the conditions that these slaves were uh, under. So one says that they were, some of the slaves that were found had their bones broken numerous times and set in a natural position, um, so that one was, um, set in a way that, like, when she moved, her limbs remained crooked and bent, her gait reminiscent of a crab's. Oh, no. Um, another was said to have a hole drilled into his head with a wooden spoon sticking out. Um, as an attempt to stir his brains. <gasps> oh, God. Another was allegedly found with um, peel, like his skin peeled back, so that tissue and muscle was uh, exposed to the naked eye. And then another was said to have their intestines removed from their body and wrapped around their waist. Oh, no. Um, others were covered in honey and ants. And That's a thing, apparently. Apparently. And supposedly the lucky ones, quote-unquote lucky, were found dead. Because their torture was finally ended. So, I mean, to this day, you can, like you said, you can go visit her Yeah, so... Mansion. I visited her mansion, um, and they say it's super haunted. I don't doubt that. Um, several people have owned it, and Nicolas Cage actually used to own it. It always comes back to Nick It Cage. always comes back to Nick Cage. So, Nicolas Cage and his family actually used to own that building, and they said they all claimed it was super haunted, like so they moved out. So I think he's still technically the owner, but no, or no, someone has purchased it from him, but they don't know. It's they the person won't publicize who they are. Okay, it's someone rich enough to have bought it from Nick Cage. They won't publicize who they are because of how haunted this house is, and like no one actually lives there. Um, there are there is staff that comes to take care of the property. Um, it's also said, so there's like an overhang over the sidewalk uh-huh. on the side of the street around the Lollary Mansion. And they say that, I mean, I don't believe that this is true necessarily. I think it's more like a story that they tell for tours, um, that people won't walk under there because they think the house is cursed. I want to say that the the people that owned that location beforehand also all died there. Ooh. So that faci- that building is haunted Back. in general. So it's not just because of the Lala. It's known as the Lala Mansion. I want to say that it was haunted before that. Got it. Yeah. Fuck. So this one's fun for me because it relates to creepypasta and things like that. So I do love some creepypasta. Anissa Weiner. And Morgan Geyser, um, in May of 2014, they, these two girls lured their friend into the woods 
of Wisconsin and stabbed her 19 times. Fuck. In an attempt to impress Slenderman. So this is like super well known as the Slenderman stabbings. If you like Wikipedia it. I just can't imagine like surviving. So the girl survived. Yeah. And um, she was found and spent six days in the hospital recovering. So for those of you unaware... Slenderman's a fictional character. He's a Slenderman too many times, so he's going to show up now. He's going to show up now. Fuck. <laughs> uh, Slenderman's a fictional character that was created for the Something Awful forum for a 2009 Photoshop a normal image contest. Okay. So, obviously, Slenderman was kind of expanded on by a lot of people that created like a fan mm-hmm. fiction around it. And a ton of, like, artistic depictions of him. And so, so, Slenderman is, like, this super tall, thin, featureless, white-faced character. Um, he's depicted as wearing a black suit. And sometimes he's shown with tentacles growing out of his back. Mm-hmm. Um, according to the mythos of Slenderman, the entity can cause... Amnesia, coughing, paranoid behavior. Um, And he's depicted as hiding in the forest and stalking children. Okay. So, um, these two girls discovered Slenderman on the Creepypasta Wikipedia. Or, it's called Creepypasta Wiki. Um, It's a website that hosts Creepypasta, which is just user-generated stories. Yeah, it's user-generated, like, horror stories. stories. Yeah. Yeah. Horror stories is better than ghost stories. So, ghost. Yeah. Horror stories. Not there's, some, stories. there's some scary creepypasta. Yeah. I mean, if you want to go read some scary shit, go on creepypasta, go on r slash no sleep. Yeah. Ooh, r slash no sleep. <laughs> slash no sleep gives me no sleep. <laughs> okay. So, these two girls later have said that Slender Man is real and they wanted to prove their loyalty to him to become his proxies and prove his existence and prevent him from harming their families. They thought the only way they could do this would be to kill someone, after which they would become the servants and live in his mansion, which they thought was located in the Nicolette National Forest. So. What the fuck? Dude, I don't know. When I was... How old were they when they did this? 12? Yeah, oh, they were 12. They were young. They okay. were 12. I'm thinking like 17-year-olds. Like... Oh, no, these girls were 12. Okay. So... They had planned, these two girls had planned their attack on their friend during a sleepover. They had planned to tape her mouth shut, stab her in the neck, and then run away. That didn't happen. Um, One of the girls wanted to give their eventual victim one more day to live. Mm -hmm. The backup plan was to um, attack her in the bathroom at a local park. And they chose the location for the fact that the bathroom had drains so that they could, like, drain her blood. Okay. First off, gross. Yeah, I'm like, Yeah, there's a lot of questions I have about this. Okay. So, the actual attack took place in the nearby forest during a game of hide-and-seek on May 31st, 2014. The victim was pinned down and stabbed 19 times in the arms, legs, and torso with a five-inch long kitchen knife. Oh, God. Two of the wounds were major arteries. Um, One stab missed her heart by less than a millimeter. 
Another went through her diaphragm, cutting into her liver and stomach. The two girls told their victim they would get help for her, but just, like, ran away. Okay. Uh, the victim dragged herself to a nearby road where she was actually found by a guy riding his bike. Oh, like shit. a bicycle. Yeah. The two girls were apprehended, um, and the knife that they had used for the stabbing was in the bag that they carried. They were described as feeling guilty for stabbing their friend, but they felt the attack was necessary to appease Slenderman. Uh, the victim was in the hospital for six days, but eventually returned to school later that fall. So... I mean, honestly, good on her for, like, saving herself. Yeah. Oh, That's absolutely. Amazing. In 2017, Anissa Weir pleaded guilty to being a party to attempted second-degree homicide. The jury found her not guilty by mental, mental disease or defect. Um, Morgan Geyser accepted a plea offer under which she would not go to trial and would be evaluated by psych psychiatrists to determine how long she should be placed in a mental hospital. She later pleaded guilty and was found not guilty by reason of mental disease. So Anisia Weir was sentenced to 25 years to life in an intermediate sentencing involving at least three years of confinement and involuntary treatment in a psychiatric institute followed by communal supervision until she was 40 years old. Okay. So Morgan Geyser was sentenced to the maximum of 40 years to life. Um, she's going to have three years in locked confinement, including um, involuntary treatment in a psychiatric institute, until complete resolution of symptoms or until she's 53. What's interesting to me is that they have different sentences, and I wonder like what caused I that. I think it's the plea deal. Yeah, probably the plea deal, and then maybe like one was the ringleader. I think that's kind of the way that it's been presented. Yeah, I think that's the way it was portrayed. I remember when this went to trial. Yeah. um, That one was like, let's do this. And the other girl was like, yeah. Um, So Geyser's got 40 years under mental health facility supervision. She will periodically have the chance to petition for her release. But she will be under institutional care for her entire sentence. And she is the youngest patient at the mental health institute that oh, she's wow. currently in. So obviously 2017 was like, this all happened. Two years ago. Within two years. Yeah. So this was a huge deal coming out of it because it was like, parents need to control what their kids are seeing on the internet because they blamed all of this on their appeasement of Slender Man, which obviously yeah, is I mean, crazy. So- uh, absolutely crazy, but I also not even like they need to control what their kids are looking at, but maybe like have conversations with your kids and let them know that like things on the internet are not necessarily real. Yeah. So and like in a quote that came from the Bakisha police chief, he said that the stabbing should be a wake up call for parents and that the internet is full of information and wonderful sites that teach and entertain, but it can also be full of dark and wicked things. So, he has said that a way that parents need to keep track of their children's web habits and educate them on the differences between right and wrong, Mm -hmm. essentially. Um, They've also said that 
there was like an attack on creepypasta yeah. because of this. Like a DOS? Yeah. And so obviously it turned out that the the creator of Slenderman came out and said like he never intended for this to happen. Like creepypasta is not real. It's meant to be It's supposed to be a scary. story. Yeah. A scary story. Like it's all it's supposed to be. And they had like a fundraiser for the victim through creepypastas, like web reaches. And, um, yeah, I mean, creepypasta is literally like a story version of yeah. a horror. Yeah, that's what it's meant to be. Um, there's actually a documentary on all of this oh, called really? Beware the Slender Man. It was released by HBO in 2016. Oh, I actually, I've been like watching a ton of HBO lately and I saw that and I was like, I'm kind of curious about this. So, Beware the Slender Man is supposedly a documentary. Related I've to this been incident, wanting to watch that actually. There's also, and I've actually seen this. Um, there is a Criminal Minds episode that aired last fall, so uh-huh. Halloween 2018. Ooh, it was about this. It was called The Tall Man. It was inspired by this story. I do love and there's also a Law and Order SVU episode that's loosely based around the event. So in October of 2018, as well, there was a Lifetime movie. Um, inspired by the Slender Man stabbing called Terror in the Woods. And it is produced by... Christina, Christina Ricci. The, orig- the OG Wednesday. Yeah. So, uh, I think that's all we got. Um, if you want to hear more about any of this, I mean, we can definitely do an episode that's more of a deep dive into any of these topics, but we just tried to do a quick summary version quick of it. Overview. Yeah. Um, so stay tuned for our sober thoughts and yeah. So for sober thoughts this week, Stephanie found a pretty cool article that she's going to read to you. Yeah. Um, so I found this article that came out at the end of 2018 from the San Antonio Express News. It's called... Women dominate the true crime podcast genre as producers and listeners. And I mean, the title alone I thought was pretty cool. For yeah. Especially... It kind of tells you what it's about, but... Yeah. <laughs> so, um, what I didn't realize and what I learned from this is that women actually make up 48% of all podcast listeners, but women make up about 65% of... The true crime genre. Audience? Yeah. Yeah. Which I didn't realize. Um, And I think, like, as we're both well aware, and a lot of listeners, you're aware as well, um, like, the murder and the true crime genre, like, just keeps going. Like, you can Mm -hmm. go into an endless bubble of just... Go down the rabbit hole. Seriously. Um... I mean, I get it. Like, you and I obviously listen to true crime podcasts. We also love watching, like, documentaries about true crime. Um, And I I also think that it's, like, a really interesting phenomenon that's popping up is that, like, people love hearing about and reading and watching true crime stuff. Yeah. um, I mean, there's obviously the obsession with... Serial killers? Serial killers. I mean, we've seen that through Netflix shows, especially like yep. the Ted Bundy tapes coming out. Yeah. And like Making a, making a Murderer yeah. before that. Yeah. Um, I also think it's really interesting because now that you mentioned that, 
most of the people I have bonded with, like, bonded over true crime stuff have been women. Yeah. I think part of that might come from, and at least in my head, the just like natural fear that I have towards those kinds of things. Yeah. And I think, and I think by like discussing things like that, that have happened and obviously not all true crime is directed at women that Mm -hmm. they're talking about. So this article actually interviewed the Dallas based podcasters from the true crime fan club podcast who are, you know, both women. Mm -hmm. Um, They said that being able to relate fear that they've had previously um, kind of gave them the story for how to, like, look at crime from the victim's perspective. Uh Uh-huh. And I think that kind of makes it a lot more interesting. Yeah, I agree with that. So there recently was also a platform called Murder.ly for true crime podcasts. And more than 60% of the hosts on that platform are women. And they said the vast majority of their listeners are also women. Interesting. Yeah. Super cool, huh? Yeah. I would say so. Yeah. So I uh, think that wraps Sober Thoughts. Yes. Um, and that wraps the first half of Women's Month. So, I mean, I'm looking forward to our next episode. I think it'll be uh, another really fun Women's Month one. I agree. Uh, So definitely stay tuned for that. Thanks for listening. And if you enjoyed the show, which, I mean, we hope you did. (laughs) You spent some time of your life listening. Yeah. Uh, Please go on to your favorite podcast streaming service and give us a review and a five-star rating. And please tell your friends and family and... Your kids and your wife and and your your co-workers (laughs) and everyone you've ever met. Tell everybody you know. All right, that was the episode. So we love hearing from you, um, and if you want to contact us, you can do so through our email address. It is drunkanduncultured at gmail.com. We are also on Facebook at Drunk and Uncultured Podcast. Our Instagram is Drunk and Uncultured. And our Twitter is Drunk Uncultured. No ant. And as always, I'm Lindsay, and you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and untapped at Lindsay Sold Out. And I'm Stephanie, and you can find me on Untapped, Instagram, Twitter, and Tumblr as underscore Stephen Color. And you can also follow my concert Instagram at Shitty Concert Blog. Stay drunk, guys. See you next time.